Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is the show where Isaac Jenkins and my co-host Adam Reck take a look at every X-Men story in the history of X-Men story, and I tell you what, there have been several, and we determine which one's the best, which one's the worst, and rank them on our big old list encompassing the entirety of X-Men. I couldn't do this without Adam, so Adam, how you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, we've been doing a lot of character profiles lately, but um, we're kind of doing an author centric episode today. So could be interesting. Yeah, this episode's going to be interesting. So this is coming to us straight from Patreon supporter Luke Hare. Luke's been a previous guest on the show. I've met him several times in real life. He's a cool dude. We got a, what was it? Pizza and beer and played the X-Men arcade game a couple of weeks ago. It was fun. <laughs> That sounds ideal. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was me, him, uh, and previous guest of the show, Charlie Davis, was also there. And we all we all hung out. We saw a podcast together. I've never met That's most great. of these people in my real life. This is just <laughs> how the internet has changed the world. Isn't it delightful when you meet internet people in person? It's just, it's great, you know? It's- yeah. It's it's quite a, quite a world we live in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so Luke uh, has been a longtime supporter here, and he has suggested that we do the Jeff Parker run on Exiles, which made us just say, let's just do a bunch of Jeff Parker stories and see what happens. Yeah. Well, and, you know, when when Luke makes a request, I'd be worried if it wasn't something Exiles related. The, the guy has, you know, some – that's what he likes. That's his thing. Yeah, I mean, he only runs one – in a half exile centric podcasts. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's a good theme. You could, you could plug multiple characters into it and, you know, mm-hmm. time hop universe hop. It's great. Yeah. So Jeff Parker, how much do you know about Jeff, Jeffrey Parker? Uh, not a lot, not a lot. I mean, like after reading the stories we're going to do today, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of his, uh, general, uh, writing sensibilities. I know he's the guy behind Agents of Atlas, right? Yeah. And beyond and, that, in uh-huh. a bunch of a bunch of kind of throwback stories, I think. So he did thirty okay. issues of Batman sixty six. Mm-hmm. He's done Agents of Atlas, which is like a kind of a golden age throwback uh, team. He did X Men First Class. He did all of those. So he's done a lot of stuff, kind of playing in that that sphere of well what was the old stuff like mm. yeah i can see that i mean there's there's a little element of uh, genre hopping and in, in all of these things that is really kind of fun like there's a little bit of high concept size spurrierness to some of this but it's done in a much there's a there's a silliness about all of these stories that seems to embrace an older age of comics i think that's fair so yeah. the so the first story is on our list. This is the Jeff Parker run on Exiles, which was only six issues. Uh, the Marvel Wikia calls this Exiles Volume 2, but that's 
confusing because Malibu, which Marvel bought, had a series called Exiles and then a series called All New Exiles that brought in characters from the Marvel Universe like Juggernaut and Sienna Blaze and uh, what's his name from the Mutant Liberation Front? Who am I thinking of? He has the bad hair. No, uh, he's the Wild one who lost style? his arm. Wild style. Is it wild, wild style? style? It doesn't matter. As opposed to it wild doesn't child. Matter. Maybe it was Reaper on that team. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, Maybe actually was the Reaper. Okay. I don't remember. Who cares? So Exiles Volume 2, essentially, it is a continuation of sorts of the Exiles uh story which had been running for a while at this point it kind of restarts with a brand new team that morph mm-hmm. that time broker morph brings all together and it includes a version of beast who is just more bestial and also in a romantic relationship with wonder man instead of just in a platonic friendship that no one's quite sure why beast would be friends with such a loser mm-hmm. uh you Hey. Uh, look, my dude, Beast. Do you hate on Wonder Man? Wonder Man? <laughs> Wonder Man sucks. Like, But Wonder Man and Beast are kind of delightful together. No, Beast is delightful. Wonder Man is there. I, I, I just remember fondly recalling Wonder Man's solo series, which lasted for a short period of time. And there, there was a charm to it. I, I I'm not going to stand up for the character and say he's like a favorite or anything. I hate him so much. I remember that being kind of fun. It's like him and Adam War. Warlock. I do not like either of them at all. <laughs> oh, man. Well, here's the thing about Adam Warlock, and we're going to get to Exiles, I promise you. But Adam Warlock is Space Jesus for Marvel, except for they already have a very good Space Jesus who rides a surfboard. You don't need another one. You already you already reached the pinnacle, Mr. Jack Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you got a silver one, now you need an orange one. And, you know, Adam wears a cape. Because the silver one was so good that when Stan Lee saw the pages (laughs) for the coming of Galactus and said, who's this guy, Jack? I didn't mention that in my script that was literally just have them fight God. Uh, That's perfect. He said, oh, wait, this is my new favorite character. And Stan Lee has still to this day said, oh, yeah, Silver Surfer's my favorite character. It's easy to see why. He's a great character. I drunkenly bought a Silver Surfer statue in Mexico once. It was a very good purchase. Hmm. That's a good use of your money. I like that. It's like 20 pesos. I don't know how much it was. I had drank <laughs> upwards of... Here's here's how margaritas went for me that day. And I know we are wildly, wildly <laughs> off course here. <laughs> but we went to an all-inclusive place. And it was probably about 11 o'clock in the morning at that point. And the bartender guy walks up to me at the beach and I heard him say, how many margaritas have you had? And I put up my fingers and said two. He was asking how many margaritas I wanted. My wife was pregnant at the time. So and I wasn't going to waste a margarita. (laughs) Long story short, the statues in the other room. It's great. Can you drink a margarita out of the statue? Does it like no, have a removable no, silver, no, it's, it's silver just... head or something? <laughs> Doubles as a flask. Like a ceramic-y thing. It's really cool. I like it. That's really funny. Anyway, Exiles. Really funny. All right. Who else is on this team? Uh, who else we have? We got Beast. And, oh, no. We already said Beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Blink, yep. who is Age of Apocalypse slash Exiles Blink. Only she doesn't remember any of yep. that. 
being on the exiles and leading the mm, turmoil? That's a little, little unclear. A little unclear. At least she, she's faking. That's the twist. She's faking. Uh, yes. We got the panther, who is Tachaka, named after his grandfather. Mm. He is Storm and uh, Storm and Black Panther's son. Yep. He's kind of a, a horny Spider-Man too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's a little, there's a little, <laughs> right? Yes. Like, I don't know. It seems like every scene he's he's a, he's a little uh, Randy, you know. Yes, um, yes, anyway, yes. We've also got versions of Scarlet Witch and Polaris here, too. Yeah, and they're just Scarlet oh, Witch. Oh, and Forge. And then Forge. Yeah, well, Forge. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yes. This team goes and does Exiles stuff for a couple of issues, including going to a world where uh, Magneto's kind of taken over an island, but everyone's kind of cool with it. Like, all the mutants are okay and hanging out together. And they have to take down his regime. Yeah. And they are unsuccessful. They're unsuccessful. The first, you know, what's interesting about this is that it, and I don't know if this is true or if it's just like the the shade that's being thrown in the opening uh, pages, but it sounds like maybe Jeff Parker wanted this series to go on for a much longer period oh, yeah. of time. And then he was curbed to just doing like basically two and a half arcs. So he gets to do the Magneto Utopia story then we get a much more interesting one i think which is an all robot world and then he gets to go back to the magneto one and then oh then we get a big reveal issue that connects the two series the two to two volumes of exiles so um yeah issue six let's talk about that for a second because morph just gives them an exposition dump for an entire issue that ties up a lot of loose ends from Exiles and New Exiles, or so I assume. I've not read those series. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it's very satisfying and important for fans of those series. But it's so wholly disconnected to friggin' everything else in the first five issues. Like, I was sitting there in this double-sized sixth issue and saying, What? We're, we're still going? <laughs> you, Morph, you've been explaining the Crystal Palace pages now i don't i don't need all of this yeah well the the resolution to original exiles was that the timekeepers turned out to be bugs yeah right yes is that, that but they're okay is? bugs they're very and, polite yeah they're trying to fix some stuff and now the plot behind this exiles is that the original team of exiles is creating new teams multiple of exiles and i guess continuing the work uh yeah. did i get that right yeah they're just being exiles yeah. still i mean not yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, you know, like I said, they only get to go on these two adventures. So uh, the first adventure, I think, is, I don't know, I guess it's supposed to be um, kind of palace intriguey because um, they have to infiltrate. Uh, the, the Magneto is kind of a royal family. It's a House of M type situation mm-hmm. uh, slash maybe an Eve of Destruction type situation. I didn't really find it all that interesting, you know, um, but I did really enjoy the second adventure that they go on, which is where kind of Cerebro has turned Hal and uh, is conspiring to eliminate all of humanity from the planet. I found that to be much more interesting. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, I wasn't, look, I just, I wasn't like intrigued by either story and we should mention Jeff Parker does the write on here. Uh, you got Salvador Espin doing the pencils on about half the issues and Casey Jones doing the pencils on the other half. Uh, Salvador Espin is not an artist Mm -hmm. I particularly enjoy. 
Like I've read a lot of stuff that he does. Yeah, there's kind of like a kind of like a Jeff Campbell type thing going on here with uh, you know the way he draws women and he really likes abs. I I feel like he really likes sculpted abs. Like that's a thing for him. Yeah, but he doesn't do them as well as like a Chris Anka does. It's just it's I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I agree. The machine, okay. the machine nation story that uh, kind of takes up the middle chunk of this run is probably better. There is a giant mechanical sandworm in it, which is delightful. Yeah, there's some really cool elements in there. You know, that Machine Man is in there. Um, Vision and Ultron have formed this alliance to actually save humanity um, through a pretty clever twist. And I don't know. I thought that that had some novelty to it. I. I thought that was interesting. The um, this definitely suffers from having been canceled after five issues and trying to wrap up two series worth of continuity in forty pages or so. So, um, as a whole, it's okay. You know, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't something I'm going to revisit. Yeah, like for me, I'm just I I've tried to read a lot of Exiles. I've really given it a fair shake, but I've never been like hooked by it. And I think part of the problem is the fact that to make the Exiles team interesting, you got to make them different enough. Like, okay, Age of Apocalypse Blink. I'm here for that. That's interesting enough. But, like, besides the Panther, kind of everyone is, like, 90% their regular 616 self. And I'm just not that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's not that intriguing to me. Like, uh, who, what's his name? Who's really cool? Uh, just launched the new Exiles, and I'm blanking. Uh, Saladin Ahmad. Uh, oh, um, yeah, Saladin Ahmad. He, mm-hmm. you know, even though that's not a series I'm particularly loving, to his credit, went in a pretty different direction with every character, and at least gave you a hook to, you know, take a look at. And like, I'm more interested in seeing, okay, what's these wild new takes on these characters? versus here's characters who are mostly how you remember them. Yeah. I mean, here's Forge. He misses Storm. Uh, (laughs) That's not as novel as saying that we're going to go back and and find an ex-babies, but it's not really ex-babies, Wolverine, and dump him in with like Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok, the movie. I think, you know, like he's definitely making some more inspired choices, um, which should be the fun of the series and what's interesting is in the sixth issue we actually see some alternate teams almost every one of those teams i'd rather read about like i was going through i was like that seems fun yeah they were more interesting so yeah yeah and maybe and we don't know maybe if the series had gone on we would have seen those other teams but um given the short run you just got to see what you saw in the two arcs so it's hampered by that uh where are you thinking as far as ranking goes all right uh well, we have another. Where's the other exiles on our list? Seventy-two. Um, yep, that is the first arc of the first Marvel proper exiles. Yeah, and I mean, this is similar in quality. I, I obviously it's not as novel this time. It's the second time out, and uh, we're kind of revisiting that idea. So i I think that. It, I think that first arc of Exiles proper is better than this. Mm-hmm. I think I like uh, like right below or near below that is the uh, first Juggernaut arc. Yeah. And I've been reading a lot of Juggernaut the last week. I find that arc delightful now. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Like 
Juggernaut as a character has grown on me a ton in like three days. He he can be really fun. He really uh, can. So I think that's better. Um, what I think, what I think, I could be persuaded to and speak up if you disagree. Uh, I think it might be better than Spider Man and the X Men number one and two. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think for um, the that would put it right below. Um, the ecstatics die another day back from the dead story, which I think has more merit than this, at least from a historical perspective. But I think there's some good quality stuff yeah. here. And um, Spidey and the X-Men one and two is, you know, one of those animated series larks that uh, is also not really essential to be revisited. I mean, like Spider-Man and the X-Men one and two can be revisited specifically for the stuff about turning people into dinosaurs. Yeah. If I could play devil's advocate though, like I think I mm-hmm. might go back to brood trouble in the big easy before I go back to this exiles run though, which is below spider, Spidey and X-Men one and two. What do you think about that? Yeah. Look, that brood story is probably better. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, that has a lot of fun stuff in it. Um, but I do think that uh, I, I agree with that has more quality than I, I, to- I totally do. Agree. Okay, great. Let's good. Let's do it that. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, I think it's better than the Phalanx Covenant Cable yes. and Wolverine. So yeah, blow stuff that up. puts Jeff Parker's exiles as the new number 79 on our list. So that's one down. Fantastic. What other uh, Jeff th- Parker stuff are we doing today? We talking about, well, uh, like we mentioned, Jeff Parker is very well known for Agents of Atlas, and we found a way to shoehorn that into this episode, dang it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, this is a two issue limited series that was done right around the same time as the his Exiles run. This is X Men versus Agents of Atlas. That's crazy to me. These came out at the same time. Yeah. Jeff Parker was like real hot in 2008 to 2010. I'll t- can I just tell you why I'm surprised by that? Like there seems to be a maturity in the writing that is present in what we're about to talk about that I, I didn't necessarily see in Exiles. Like, I, I don't know whether it's just the the humor or or what, but there was like a shift in, in tone that um, was was. You know, I don't know. It just felt like an evolution to me. It's, so it's wild to me to hear that they came out in similar time spans. It's because Jeff Parker was writing both uh, at least a chunk of the original X-Men, which he has a lot of experience with, and the agents of Atlas, who are his babies. So that was I agree with you. This is better because it has the right mix of characters and everything for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, have you read much Agents of Atlas? Because I have not. I have not. I know of the team. I know of the uh, the roster, the general idea. But I, I, I've only read a couple of issues here and there. So I'm definitely not an expert. But I will say to its defense, this is more of an Agents of Atlas story than it is an X-Men story, in my opinion. And it yes. does a pretty good job of, of at least giving you some background so that you're not confused and going, what the heck is going on? Um, Cause this is a fight book and it has a pretty simple setup, but there's an added bonus in that there's two stories going on at the same time. And you're not really sure why until the second issue and the way it ties together is pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fun thing. It brings some stuff 
you know, some 05 feeling stuff mixed in with uh, modern, uh, actually right at the start of Utopia era things. Because the, the whole uh, premise of the story is the Agents of Atlas sneak in and try and use Cerebro while the X-Men are moving. <laughs> Which is a pretty, you know, that's a fun setup on its own. Um, I think that uh, Carlo, is it Pag- Pagulian? Am I saying that right? Um, I mean, Carlo, I, I don't know. I, I apologize if I'm we saying We know that I can't Carlo. pronounce things. <laughs> but his his art is absolutely beautiful. Um, I think that that helps the storytelling quite a bit. And, uh, you know, it's it's a really smart way to just get these two teams to kind of team up and, and go after each other. Um, so I, I like this quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's a fun story. Uh, you know, they, they get Cerebro, uh, the X-Men and them fight, and then they, you know, are trying to find... Uh, their teammate, uh, they're looking for Venus, who mm-hmm. is been captured by, uh, oh, shoot, shoot, Aphrodite. what is her, Aphrodite, uh, yep. being mad that she is kind of impersonated her, question mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's using her image, and she doesn't like that, because she's a god, and she's, you know, worshipped for her image. Right, right. So they do that. They fight. Uh, Namor ends up kind of playing a bit of peacemaker because Namora is with the Agents of Atlas. And Namor is like, hey, I know you. We have mostly the same name. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I mentioned this thing that's going on in the background. Um, The amazing crisp Sam Nee is doing this sort of um, Silver Age X-Men story as you maybe assume as a backup story mm-hmm. in the first issue, but then you realize that it's sort of a dream, a shared dream state that's happening in mid-issue in the second issue while they're, while they're fighting. And I, I thought that was pretty clever. Um, yeah, you know, it, at first, I was like, this is weird, but it works pretty well in the story and in context. Yeah, it's a good little tricky tricky pulls on you. Uh, I like it. I like uh, the fact that Wolverine fights Emma Levin, who is a robot and pretty much only speaks in beeps and boops. <laughs> and they hate each other, right? Because they, they do the not like uh, preview page all. tells you they have history of, of arm melting or cutting off or something like that, right? Yeah, I assume that happened in some Agents of Atlas stories that I have not read. Yeah, I, I will say the weakest part of this is when the story has been resolved. Um so we go from Carlo's art into Samney's art. And then once we get everything wrapped up, the conclusion of the two issues is really just kind of an Agents of Atlas story with the Venus and Aphrodite. That's probably the weakest part of these two issues, but it it's a fun crossover. Yeah. You know, um, there's some good Dr. Nemesis banter at the beginning of the first issue. And, uh, you know, kind of it's a good transition issue for the X-Men as you see them moving into Utopia. So what I kind of feel like this was, and I don't have the historical context to back this up, uh, but was a, I think this was a bridge between some agents of Atlas series. And I think they were kind of trying to use the X-Men to, uh, to get more people interested because it turns out people do like the (laughs) X-Men. If it, it has that feel to it, um, and I can't blame them for doing it because the way they the, the Parker executes this is pretty fun. Um, you know, there's there's a really big cast of characters, these gigantic 
uh, fight scenes between all these characters. I had kind of forgotten that Cloak and Dagger were on the X-Men for a while. So that was kind of fun. They were on the team for like, I think some promo issues. And so they were on, they were on the dark (laughs) X-Men that Norman Osborn had Emma Frost make. And then they were like, Oh wait, are we the bad guys? And then they joined Emma in turning Mm. sides and then they hung out in the Utopia era, like they were being promoted to be like Cloak and Dagger on the X Men, and then no one used them, so they kind of just left. That's a shame. That's a shame. Um, it's kind of fun seeing them with with X's on their costumes. You know, it's it's a bit jarring. Even though, if I may, are Cloak and Dagger mutants? So, so technically, this not. is this is one of my favorite things of comics. They were mutants in like the late eighties, early nineties for marketing reasons, so they could call their book The Mutant Adventures of Cloak and Dagger. And it was never relevant and never brought up again until they were on the X-Men for like a hot second. (laughs) And then it turns out, oh, wait, no, we aren't mutants. We just got our powers from drugs, like we said originally. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they they did have that famous uh, crossover with um, New Mutants, but it's not really a crossover. It's more of a cameo, but, well, you know, it was, they aren't mutants. Anyway, I'm getting I'm going off on another yeah, aside. This, I'll be honest, guys. This episode is going to be a lot of asides because two issues in and we're realizing that we do not have the larger context to talk about either of these stories so far. And also, we already wasted 20 minutes uh, trying to do something because we had some audio issues for a while. So we've talked about half of this stuff already. <laughs> Let me tell you, though, this is fun. Like if you just want a, a bash them, smash them. Hey, there's also a giant dragon yes. in this thing. Um, th- and, and there's some really beautiful artwork. If you just want to have like a, a quick, fun read, this is a good little crossover mm-hmm. here. I thought it was yeah, cool. It's, it's worth reading. Like it's two issues. Go pick this up. You'll have, you'll have a blast and maybe you'll like agents of Atlas and want to keep reading that. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I mean, there is a gorilla man on their team and yeah, Kent, he's, he's pretty a good fun. Dude. So, you he's know, take that for what it's worth. He's an immortal gorilla. He's Did immortal? you know that if you kill him, then you shall become the gorilla man. I did not know that. That's great. According that makes to Jeff Parker, if he flew into the sun, the sun would not become a gorilla. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Wait, where's my gorilla sun? All hail the gorilla sun. Maybe more of a gorilla. Maybe a gorilla moon. That would probably be. Okay, but how's the moon going to kill him? The moon you can like, I guess you wouldn't have oxygen, but he's also an intelligent gorilla man. So I don't know. All right. Let me let's play this out because everybody's seen Avengers now and everybody has seen Thanos pull a moon out of the sky and drop it on Tony Stark. Right. So if Thanos drops, if Thanos drops a moon on Gorilla Man, does Gorilla Man? I mean, does the moon become Gorilla Man or does Thanos? I feel become like Gorilla Man? so here's what I'm going to say. Kent became Gorilla Man because he had dreams of an immortal gorilla and he hunted it in the jungle and he like shot it. But Ken became the Gorilla Man, not his gun. So I'm going to have to say not, that yeah, not uh, Thanos boy. would be the Gorilla Man with the Infinity Gauntlet. That sounds right. Oh, dang. That's a good what if. What if the Gorilla Man, what if Thanos Avengers. hunted the immortal gorilla? <laughs> Jeff Parker would write the hell Avengers out of that. Poor. Gorilla Thanos, man. I'm in. That's great. Oh Maybe my a purple gosh. Gorilla. How many purple gorillas do we know? Well, hold on. I'm pretty sure I do. All right. <laughs>
I don't know. Hanna Barbera. Is like a gorilla is there a purple gorilla? I feel like he is. Hold on, I'm looking this up. That's something I have not. Apparently, about purple for a long gorilla time. is definitely is... a strain of that sticky icky. Oh, yeah. If you type purple gorilla into Google, you get pot, 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 uh, wiki leaf, which is a pretty good uh, wiki name. Uh, yeah, it's all pot. Magilla hmm. gorilla does wear a purple bow tie and a purple hat. So, no, I don't know any purple gorillas. It's definitely pot, though. <laughs> we 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 have accidentally wow. become a 420 friendly <laughs> podcast. So good for you. This has been a very loose episode, to say the least. That's OK. We're always looking for new listeners. So this is great. Um, <laughs> Adam, where do you want to rank this? All right. This story that we have just talked around mostly not really about. i think this is fun but ultimately like unimportant so um kind of looking around like the low 60s maybe um i don't know well, i think it's i think it's better than uh, number 69 which is the bar issue of excalibur yes. i think it's better i would than agree that. is it better than negative zone war which we just covered yeah, yeah, it's probably better. Okay. Than that. Uh, I don't think it's better. I don't think it's better than that warlock uh, turning into Godzilla and also King Kong in mm. Web of Spider-Man Annual Number Two. No, I wasn't going to go that high. I also don't. I I think which is at sixty-two right now. So yeah. Um. Oh. Okay. Here's here's a good uh, ceiling. Is it better than that gold ball? Gold balls issue. The one that we only refer to as that gold balls yeah, issue. Yeah. Man, I really hope. No, I do hope there's another definitive gold ball story. Me too. Oh, me too. I don't I think, think the gold this balls is thing is better. This is probably better than. I don't know if this. This is, is probably better than what if the X Men stayed in Asgard. You think it's better than that? I think the art is better than that for sure. You know, there's some there's some really beautiful art in this. So, uh, is is this our new sixty six? This can be our new sixty six. It is. X-Men versus the Agents of Atlas. Cool. Yeah, this is fun, guys. Check this out. It is. It's got some good stuff in it. It is. We aren't really doing any of these stories justice, and it's only going to get more difficult from here. I I don't know. I think I'm promoting this one pretty good. <laughs> I don't think it's promotion. I think it's we, – we, we serve a dual role, dual role on this podcast. One side of our role is – talking about why something is better or worse than a different story or what's good mm-hmm. or bad about it in and of itself. But another role in a role, I think we often probably do a little bit less than we should, especially on these more obscure CD list stories is kind of give like an overview of them. And this mm. episode has been loosey goosey. Well, I, I don't know. We're trying, guys. We're trying. Let's try and explain this next one because this one's like, what? <laughs> this story's name is canon. It's about things being canon. Uh, this is X-Men First Class Volume 2, Number 11, written by Jeff Parker with pencils by Nix Dragota. This is... Okay, so first class, to be clear, takes place in the Silver Age in between all these other stories. 
specifically before the X-Men get their new costumes. So this is yellow and black attack X-Men. Yeah, X's on their bellies. It's odd. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so... But that's not what this story is about. I mean, they're This there, is barely an X-Men story. No, nah, this is a story about the continuities. Yes. <laughs> Adam, Adam, what could you tell tell our dear listeners about the continuities? Um, okay. So can I just ask a question before I try and explain this? Are the continuities a thing anywhere else other than this issue? No, they. this is their only appearance in Marvel Comics. Okay. I got to say that as a gambit is pretty insane that this is the only time that these characters oh, appear no, and then no, disappear. No. They, this is their first appearance. The Marvel Wakia being the great source of all things Marvel. He's telling me that these have appeared. They showed back up in Dark Avengers and Thunderbolts. What? Oh, okay. All right. So what? Huh? Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. Zach's going to be reading some Dark <laughs> Avengers later. Uh, but that's not important now. Yeah. Well, okay. So you asked me to explain what they are. And I'm a little bit confused as to what time this is supposed to take place in. Because, like, the beginning, you might as well assume, is the is the present. Um, but it is... It takes place in the X-Men's past. Time... Yeah. You know, I just... I try not to have conversations about time. Yeah. Well, you know, we got into this with... Um, with the with the Draco, but the continuities are these these group of I guess they're all comic book store employees. Is that accurate to start uh, off with? Are they all they, comic store employees? They were. So okay. we we don't get a lot of backstory. No. What we do know is that uh, at some time in the past, Man Thing. You know Man Thing. He's he's a swamp monster yep. that lives in Florida. Yep. In uh, what is it, Sunshine or? Orange Grove, Florida, something. I don't care. Uh, and he is the protector of the nexus of all realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so apparently these teens at this Florida comic shop got some comics from our world that fell through the nexus of all realities and into their comic shop, into their long boxes. So then they could read about comics from the future and know everything about it. And they decided that that power was too great and they had to disperse and not be like <laughs> that into it. Yeah. But they had to be called into action one last time. Yes, because the nexus of realities is affecting the real world, right? Because Mysterio has become drenched with the water of the nexus of realities is that uh yeah mysterio got some of the water from the nexus of from the nexus of realities in that florida swamp and then mixed it in with his swamp with his illusion gas and then started making illusions everywhere about things that he could not have known about uh, and then yeah and then the universe starts breaking down and and can, uh, the continuity teams have to save the day Right, because why would Dupe be in this issue of Silver Age X-Men? It makes no sense. Mysterio doesn't know about Dupe. He can't pull Dupe out of his illusion bag. I I think this is a really fun thing because I mentioned Cy Spurrier before. This has that kind of like high concept, really weird meta quality to it that is really fun to dig into. Um, it's absolutely bizarre. It comes out of nowhere. All of that backstory that we just got into has to be surmised within a very short period of time over the course of this story as Dr. Doom, Red Skull, a whole bunch of random villains are attacking the city and the Silver Age X-Men are are there 
to jump in and help. It's weird. It's real weird. It, it is weird. Uh, it does a couple of things that I like. So uh, have you read First Class? I assume not since you've never read this story. Nope. So I went on a – I call it a Silver Age kick, but really it was Zach wants to read literally everything to do with the Silver Age X-Men and try and make it make sense a mm-hmm. while back, and that included reading First Class. And this ties into a couple of different stories from First Class, like all the stuff with the lizard and Swamp Thing. Uh, Professor Xavier was Swamp Thing – or not Swamp Thing, Man Thing for a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's That's a real thing that happened earlier in this series. Uh, it ties it all together. It's a lot of fun. Uh, not particularly weighty and not particularly like important, but it's like you won't be upset about this unit of comic book. No, it's kind of like forget me not because these these characters come, they help save the day. There's some really fun overlapping timeline stuff. Um, one of the continuities gets to explain Cyclops force beams, which I find is like just a, yes. a really remarkable yes. fun panel. Um, Moon, uh, yeah, I that, think Moon Boy, Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur make a cameo, which I'm always a fan of. Uh, there's just some really nice little you mean, touches you mean, to this. You mean and those boys from the Valley of Flame? <laughs> yes. The, what, what really sells this, though, is uh, the artwork is great. Um, it's Nick Dragata, I believe, is the, the artist's name. Yeah, he's really good. Really good. Uh, have we had have we talked about him on this podcast before? Mm, uh, I, I feel know. like I feel like he did the uh, I feel like he did the art for that Mojo World story. The Astonishing Tales. Oh, really? Is that right? I think so. I think wow. so. This is a this I, is a very because he's he's doing sort of a, a classic Silver Age style, um, which you know it, it works really well for this story. Yeah, Nick Dragota is good. I may be getting him mixed up. I am. Uh, Nick Dragota is another uh, John Hickman collaborator. Who did that? Astonishing Tales. Nick Patera. Ah, who is okay? Yeah, was it Nick Dragota and Nick Patera? Wait. Yeah, you, you could be forgiven for confusing the two. Who's Nick Patera work? What does he do? Okay, he's done Red Wing with Hickman. He does Manhattan Projects, and Dragota does East of West. That's right. Ah. I'm sorry. I got two high-concept Jonathan Hickman cool. artists whose name series. is Nick mixed up. <laughs> Nick and Nick. How many um, times the has he sent an email really to well the wrong here. one of them? That's got to happen, right? <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure um but this definitely has you know that silver age uh quality to the artwork and i don't know i i just like it it's very high concept it's funny it, it allows the concept of the issue allows there to be all of these different villains um and all of these little you know quick visual cues and it's it's cool you know it, it doesn't cut into the continuity of what's going on in the series. And it, it allows them to just have this standalone, really fun yeah, story. It's a fun little one shot. It's not like crazy. It's a very good high concept that I, I guess I'm not shocked. That it comes up later in dark Avengers, which Jeff Parker also wrote, uh, but it's real interesting. And I really like, it's a delightful little comic. It's not essential. It's not perfect, but like go, Go read this. It's 21 pages or whatever. You won't regret it if you got that app. 
Or I'd say pay the two bucks. Pay the two bucks on Comixology if you're not a Marvel Unlimited subscriber. This is worth $2. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a really fun, weird standalone thing. And I think we've been advocates for uh, creators using the world um, to explore really weird, high concept things. I think we've spoken very highly of um, worst X-Men ever. We've spoken very highly of, uh, you know, certain aspects of like ecstatics or, um, you know, the weird stuff that Cy Spurrier does. So I don't know if this is as good as those things. Um, you know, a lot of those things are, are maybe more successful than the standalone issue, but it's definitely worth checking out. It's weird and uh, it's a lot of fun. I think it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, let Where would you rank it? I'm going to throw out a story and I want you to say higher or lower. Number 61, Astonishing Tales Mojo World, also written by Nick, but or drawn by Nick, but a different Nick. I, I would put this lower than that. I thought that was really fun and silly. And I like how high concept this is. Um, I may even like the, the art style better, but I still think that was what better. I think this might be better than is. Hmm. Is this better than men? Is this better than the Rob Liefeld, Chris Claremont, equally zany one shot where a bunch of aliens show up and the X-Men fight them? I think this might be better than than Uncanny 245, a.k.a. men, um, which is, you know, Claremont kind of on a lark going off on this aside. But I think this is a little more mm-hmm. high concept and it, it works pretty well. I, I, I like the art here better. Um, no offense to the Rob. But um, I think Trigoda's got a really nice style. Yeah, it's I like the, I like this too. Uh, so that's at sixty four right now. So we're saying above that, but below number sixty one, Mojo World, Astonishing Tales, Mojo World. Between those two, mm-hmm. we have that Web of Spider Man Annual with Warlock, and the Shav- Savage Land Shi'ar Jim Lee stuff from the end of Unca- of Claremont's Uncanny. Yeah, I don't think I can in good conscience put this above an Art Adams annual and or like some really crazy Jim Lee I think art. That's fair. I don't know if I can do I that. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think we okay. I think it's a good showing for the continuities to be our new number 64. Absolutely. Uh here on Battle of the Atom and that does it. We had quite a path to get there. Uh but we have finally conquered <laughs> Jeff Parker. We did say that this was going to be a wacky episode because these are some very strange stories and uh, they're, you know, most of this stuff's right. worth hunting down. It's, uh, you know what? It's pretty good. Now, speaking of all this stuff yeah. to hunt down, uh, we are only able to hunt this down because of the generous support of the folks on Patreon.com. You go over to Patreon.com slash Xavier Files, just like supporter Luke Hare did, and you can donate a couple of bucks and get an entire episode crafted around one of your suggestions. Just like Luke did. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Also, plug for Luke. Go check out his other podcast. He does Multiversal Q, which is a podcast he does with his friend Devin. And they are talking about alternate realities uh, all the time, which is pretty cool uh, in comic books. And then they also do one called Exiles or Exiled, excuse me, which is a real play RPG set in the Marvel multiverse where they are a team of exiles and they have to go do exiles things. And it's got a, Mm -hmm. at this point, the team is teenage Jean Grey from the past, but also now she 
has a sword and a lot of complicated feelings for a gender swapped version of Cyclops named Sam. And I care about their relationship a lot. Uh, you've got Wendigo, who is a big furry wrestling dad. Uh, you've got Dr. Nemesis, who's Dr. Nemesis. And you've got everyone's good favorite techno-organic space boy, Warlock. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's a fun show. They're like in the middle of their second year. Go check it out. It's it's a lot of good stuff. I did a, I did a free comic book day special with them last year. It was a blast. I played Maggot. Who's shocked by that? Uh, oh, hey, we didn't mention that Maggot appears in that Exiles arc as a cop. Oh, yeah. Maggot's bad in that. He's a fascist. <laughs> I just thought we'd throw that in there. I know you're big Look, on your maggot, but you know we can't we can't get through the show without mentioning there was a maggot. At this, at this point, a joke has gone too far, and I cannot contractually go a day without saying hashtag bring back maggot. But yes, he's bad at this. I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of maggot's portrayal in here. <laughs> JPeth is a good, good, good slug man. So uh, yes. if you want to hear. No, Sorry could. about that. If you want to hear more about my inane ramblings, you can go on over to twitter.com slash Xavier Files and follow me. It's at Xavier Files. You can also go to XavierFiles.com where I have weekly articles about different X-Men characters. Uh, all these podcasts are up here. There's a lot of cool stuff. News, fun things. Go check that out. Uh, and I think I've plugged all of my good, good stuff. Adam, where can people find you online? All right, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy and new pages of Vision Jubes are coming out on Mondays at adamrec.tumblr.com. Fantastic. Uh, that does it for this episode. And look, you won't tell by the time we edit this, hopefully. I don't know, maybe. But there was a long path to get there. But we're done. We did it. We did it. We saved We saved the Jeff Parker verse. <laughs> we survived the experience. That's the last thing we say. No, we still have to plug that next week. We are doing an episode all about pop stars and fame and stuff like that. So, I mean, we kind of already had that pitch, but then someone wanted to talk about Poptopia and I got some weird feelings about Poptopia. Uh, so we'll check that out then. Until next time, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it! Hey everyone. And welcome to another episode of Ballet the Oh my gosh, I can not introduce my own <laughs> podcast. You got this.